0: And you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film
1: hello everyone and welcome to slash film daily for october 10th 2017 this is peter seretta and on today's show we're going to be taking a look at thor ragnarok early reviews we're going to be taking a look at the title for bill and ted 3 rick and morty and expanded pacific rim universe the Fast and Furious Feud, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Sylvester Stallone story, and the firing of Harvey Weinstein. And in the water cooler, we're going to be talking about a bunch of movies I saw over the weekend, Ben's trip to Kansas City, and Brad's cookie butter Oreos review. Uh, joining me on today's podcast are Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? And Bradford Omen. Hey! So, Brad, do you anything exciting over the weekend?
2: No. <laughs> I've done nothing exciting Ever since I started student teaching Student teaching has been dominating my life But I did want to tell you guys About Cookie Butter Oreo
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, They wh-
2: are the latest flavor To come from Nabisco's crazy flavor People at Oreo
1: <laughs> By the way, I want to um, preface this That this is not a sponsored Commercial of any kind
2: No, I don't know. This is me doing what I do And being obsessed with trying every new oreo flavor that comes out and there's at least one every month now if not two um just the the last previous one was apple pie oreos which also not bad um but yeah the new cookie butter ones i just found in stores and they're pretty tasty they they taste you know they taste like cookie butter um and it's not the standard chocolate oreo it's the it's like the golden uh golden style oreos to go along with it so it's that mixes it up a little bit, so it's not like the chocolate Oreo with the cookie butter cream. But yeah, they're 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 pretty good if you can find them at your store. I, I think they're all over the place now. And apparently, a friend of mine just texted me that he found a new release that are they're mystery Oreos. Like they don't tell you what the flavor is. Uh, he just found them in stores, and I haven't seen them yet, but I'm gonna be on the lookout for them uh, to try to see if I can find
1: out and figure out what, what the flavor is oh my god that's been something i've wanted for so long actually what i've wanted is i wanted a mystery pack where it just like has three like it just like combines all the mystery oreos into like one pack and you don't know what is what
2: yeah that, i mean that'd be pretty interesting kind of like you it know also,
1: a, a box of chocolates where it has like all the different kinds of bo- of chocolates but
2: yeah it also Speaks to just how much how how gluttonous we are, and that we don't really care what we're going to eat, but we'll put it in our mouth anyway.
1: (laughs) So uh, I I don't know what
2: this looks like, but I'm going to eat it.
1: (laughs) So Brad, how is school? How is school life going?
2: It's going pretty well. Um, You know, I won't get into any specifics for you know just legal purposes and all that jazz. But it's going pretty well. I have English classes and a journalism class, and I oversee publications for newspaper and yearbook. Um, so yeah, it's going very well today. I actually, uh, told my English classes. I have three of them. They're all, all senior level. Um, my job outside of doing this student teaching thing and trying to get my teaching license. And now they legitimately think I'm like this famous person, (laughs) (laughs) like, like every single class when when I first introduced them to the idea that like I write online and I have a pseudonym and I showed them some pictures of people I've met and like my quotes on posters and trailers and stuff. They were all they were like shocked. They were like, What? They were like, Why didn't you tell us this before? <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and it's like it's like this is crazy. <laughs> like they were all shocked and impressed and like and I have a couple of the like, kids from my English classes that are in the pubs class and they like went out of their way to tell the publications kids, they were like they were like, uh, he's famous, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, oh no 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 no, believe me, I'm I'm not famous by any means whatsoever. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, yeah
2: I, it's, it's, so, it's so
1: funny. I think when you're a kid, you assume that teachers are only there because they failed at what they wanted to do, and not that they that they're capable of you know being in the profession uh, profession that they're actually teaching, which you find out in college is a thing that think- happens.
2: I think that's part of it, but I also think another part of it is they just don't think that their teachers do anything cool outside of school. Like, this is their life. They come in, they teach, and they don't do anything else.
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Ben, what have you been up to? So I am currently coming to you guys from Kansas
0: City, Missouri. I'm in a hotel room right now. Uh, I'm here because my wife is here for a uh, work convention, and I figured, hey, I might as well just work from the hotel room and come to Kansas City to eat their incredible barbecue because they have amazing barbecue in this city. Uh, Peter, you probably know this, but in Los Angeles, the barbecue is I mean, I can't even think of a word that, <laughs> that describes the barbecue scene in L.A. Uh, it's so terrible. It's just like it's practically non-existent. Well, have um, you have
1: you had Bledsoe's? I like Bledsoe's. Yeah, Bledsoe's is pretty good, but
0: it's not. I mean, like I grew up in the south where you could find barbecue on every corner, and it's just not the same thing. You have to drive really far to get to one or two good, you know, decent barbecue places in L.A. But here there is uh, an embarrassment of riches when it comes to barbecue. So that's really the main reason. I mean, you know, of course, spending time with my wife and hanging out with her and stuff is great. But uh, I also I mean, this is like one of the highlights of my year in terms of eating food, because this uh, barbecue, especially at this place called Joe's Kansas City, is like next level incredible. So if you're in that area, uh, and you ever have a free meal to, uh, you know, time to go grab a free meal or something, that is the place to go for sure. Um, I also went to this place called Q39, that is really amazing. But Joe's is like, I mean, Anthony Bourdain says it's like one of the places that you have to eat before you die. It's won all sorts of uh, nationwide competitions and it's smoky and, you know, fall off the bone. Great. And uh, man, it's just it's glorious. I am so I didn't jealous. I know the
2: city was known for barbecue, but now it makes me want to go there and have some.
0: But yeah, you
1: should definitely do it. Yes. Very jealous. Um. Over the weekend, I uh, I saw a bunch of movies, guys. I uh, I sat at home and watched on an HBO. They came out with the new uh, Spielberg documentary. Did either of you get a chance to see that yet?
2: No, I recorded it, but I haven't watched it yet.
1: Yeah, it's like Same. two I might
0: record it and wait for when I
1: get back home. It, it's, it's two and a half hours. It's very enjoyable. I would recommend it. I would say it's a must watch for anybody listening to this show. Um, but I kind of feel like... Two and a half hours is not enough to go over the career of, you know, one of the biggest directors of all time. And you kind of feel while you're watching this. And and there are some great moments in it. It does a great job at uh, kind of showing you how Spielberg as a person has put himself into all his films throughout his career, even the most populous films, Um, you know, and, and. I mean obviously like we we all know, you know, he grew up in a home that uh, you know, divorced parents and such and and there's some of that but there's other stuff that I didn't really know about and didn't notice and there's great behind the scenes stories. I just wish I just wish that they, HBO had made this into a miniseries. This could have been like a week-long mini series, you know, with each uh episode going through, you know, what? 5 eight years of his career. And, mm-hmm. and and even then, I think it would have felt, uh, you know, heavily condensed. But it is very enjoyable. I recommend it. Um, another thing I saw is I finally went to the theater and saw Blade Runner uh, 2049. I had tickets to IMAX. I went with uh, two of my friends to Burbank to go see that. And when I stepped into the door of the AMC theater, they told us that the uh, – the hard drive with the film that the audio was corrupted and that Ooh. there was a heavy echo on the film. They're like, you could still watch it if you want. <laughs> and we we're like, no. Yeah, why, <laughs> uh, why would
0: they keep that as an option? That's so
1: weird. I don't know. I don't think I'm, I'm so surprised. I wouldn't think that IMAX would want that to happen. Um, but whatever. I would have
2: they, loved to have heard what the sound would have been like with that echo on because there's some pretty loud soundtrack parts like long extended like techno notes and i would have loved to have heard what that would have been like with like echo on
1: i have no idea luckily there is a amc prime theater in that in that or screen in that same cinema we got to get tickets like crappy seats but i mean any any seat in that in that theater is pretty good and got to see the movie uh i gotta admit I'm not a person that has Blade Runner on their top uh, films of all time. Uh, it's been a film that I've loved visually, and I love uh, the ideas and the theme, but as a film, it kind of always felt uh, long-ish and hard to watch, and I know that a lot of people out there would pro- are probably getting angry right now that I'm saying that, <laughs> Um uh, so I was I was actually kind of um, hesitant, but as much as I was excited for Blade Runner, I was kind of worried that I wouldn't like it. And guys, I, I loved it. Like it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, it it does capture the the speed and tone and atmosphere of the original, but uh, I don't know. It, it just gra- it grabbed me more than the original in many ways uh the the soundtrack is um, i mean like just the the sound design as a whole is amazing and uh i like uh some of the ideas that it's playing with i'm not sure if we need another sequel um to follow this but uh i really enjoyed it did, did either of you see this film
0: yes i saw it last night and i'm still thinking about it i i don't really even know How I mean, I liked it on a on a visual aesthetic level, and like you're saying, the sound is incredible. My theater was like physically shaking with the you know some of those super booming deep bass notes. Um, I have not heard a theater shake like that probably since like Dunkirk or something, where it's just been the sound design is so insane. Um, But I don't know. I I mean, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of movie there to take in, so I, I still need to think about it before I sort of make my full final judgments. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a hell of a movie for sure.
2: Yeah. I also haven't come to the determination of whether I love it. I definitely like it. Um, and it's, I think I need to see it a second time to really dig deeper into it. Um, it's obviously it's very cerebral and there's just, there's so much to soak in, but yeah, visually it was stunning. I, I love the soundtrack And I love how it builds on not only the mysteries, but the themes of the original as well with some like some really interesting characters. Like I think that the, you know, the hologram girl that Ana de Armas plays is a great extension of, you know, the the struggles that Harrison Ford dealt with as Rick Deckard in the first one and like identity and, you know, what it means to exist and just all, all these complex themes. Uh, it's just, yeah, it was. I was riveted by it, and like Ben said, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it, which you know just means that I need to see it again.
1: Yeah, I definitely and wanted... it's. I was just going to say,
0: it's great to see Harrison Ford caring about a performance. You know, this is some of his best work in a long time. I think.
1: Um, I was going to say the one thing I didn't like about the movie is Jared Leto, which <laughs> is a thing that seems to be common uh, yeah. in blockbuster these, these days. Um, it seems to On me. Fun fact: they
2: actually they actually shot Jared Leto stuff in his real house.
1: <laughs> I I can believe that. I could definitely believe that. It's um, totally a
2: joke. <laughs> yes. Uh
1: but uh I don't know. I was just amazed at how much they got right about uh just this feels like a Blade Runner sequel made today. Like when we see Force Awakens, it feels like a Star Wars sequel, but it feels like a modernized like it's JJ J. Abrams' take on Star Wars, right? And this felt like this could have. I mean, maybe not with these effects and looking this good, but this feels like the Blade Runner sequel they would have made after Blade Runner. Like it really feels perfectly a sequel, if that mean if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, agreed. Uh, the, the the last and final thing I wanted to say is I saw Thor Ragnarok uh, at a junket press screening. I'm covering the junket this week. Uh, we were able to post our early reactions on the internet uh which means that we could tweet out a reaction um ht wrote up uh, a piece on the site combining all the reactions from around the web uh basically i said that thor ragnarok is one of the funniest marvel studio movies thus far and definitely the best thor film which isn't hard to do but um i loved uh the score uh I uh the I think um people are going to love uh Kate they're going to love Tessa Thompson they're going to love Jess G- Jeff Goldblum is uh unlike any character I mean maybe closest to the collector in in, in in all of the Marvel movies he's very weird and very strange uh the the movie does feel like a Taika Waititi film and I think uh the most critical thing I can say this early on because I can't really give a review I can just give kind of a, a vague reaction is that uh, the jokes and characters are front and center in this movie and the action and drama oftentimes takes you know the background and uh, that will be a thing that people either love or hear that will be the thing that people hate about this movie. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the defining thing about this movie is, uh, if you, if you're going to the movie to laugh, you, you will probably enjoy this film quite a bit. Um, but if, if you're going to the movie for a Marvel action film, uh, you might have some issues. Who knows? Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, but you can read on, on the site. HT has a roundup of all the people who, saw it and tweeted about it and I think I don't think there's a single negative uh thing that anybody has said on 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 the web about this thus far uh so I think I think it is a movie to watch I mean they're screening it over a month early which uh Disney doesn't need to do so I mean they believe in it uh anyways let's move on to our next news item uh Bill and Ted 3 has gotten a working title. Ben, what do we know?
0: Yes. So Keanu Reeves has been talking about making Bill and Ted 3 for almost 10 years. And there have been a bunch of, you know, incremental um, moves forward for this film. But he talked about the movie at uh, New York Comic Con this past weekend and said that the movie actually has a real title now. And the title is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, He also described a little bit about the plot. He said it's a cautionary tale. They're supposed to save the world. But when we see them, they haven't saved the world and they're married and they have kids. And they're playing to nobody, but they have to write the song and face the music. Hopefully we'll make it before I'm 60 years old. Um, so that sort of uh, goes along with, uh, it aligns with what he's said about this movie in the past. Uh, I have never seen either of the first two Bill and Ted movies, so this doesn't really mean much to me. Uh, I don't really connect to it on, on that level, but uh, I am looking forward to diving into those movies because I read the plot synopsis for Bill and Ted's bogus journey and it sounds absolutely bonkers off the wall insane. So I have made it a mission that I'm going to catch up with this franchise before the third movie comes out.
1: My my brain can't even comprehend the fact that you have not seen these movies. Uh, wh- why or how did they escape you? I don't know. It's just one of those weird things where I heard, you know, growing up, uh,
0: all of the catchphrases and the lingo and stuff from the film's uh, seeped into me through osmosis but I just never sat down and, and watched them I didn't see them in theaters um, which I feel like a lot of kids and you know at who were my age at the time just went and saw them in theaters and I just never managed to do that and then I just I don't know somehow never picked it up on VHS or anything so uh, it's just a, a blank spot in my movie watching fandom
1: hmm uh... Brad, you are at the story about Rick and Morty and this controversy that is uh, happening with this McDonald's. What, what do we know?
2: Yeah, first of all, let's just get this out of the way. This is a ridiculous thing for people to be mad about, all <laughs> things considered. Like, come on. But I, there's been this uh, pull, push for McDonald's to re-release the famous Sejuan sauce that was released as a cross-promotion with Disney's Mulan. Back in 1998, along with chicken McNuggets, because in the third season premiere of Rick and Morty, Rick Sanchez reveals that all of his dealings around the galaxy and all the things he creates have basically all been in an effort for him to get back the Szechuan sauce. He hasn't been able to get it back, even with time travel. It's like it's it, apparently it hasn't been uh, been possible. Um, or um, so now. Because of all the popularity around the Szechuan sauce, because of Rick and Morty, there's been discussion about bringing it back. Because they gave some uh, a big bottle to Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland, and they gave a few fans uh, the same big bottles as well. And this past weekend, they announced that they were going to be giving away limited supplies of the sauce to people who came to certain locations... Uh, specifically to get the sauce, and also this series of like limited edition posters, the Szechuan sauce one being one that had art that was vaguely inspired by Rick and Morty, but not so much to breach any licensing agreements. So apparently the McDonald's locations that had the sauce were not anywhere near prepared for the volume of people that showed up. Uh, Some of these locations had hundreds of fans in line waiting to get some sauce, and some of these locations, most in fact it sounds like, only had anywhere from 20 to 30 tiny barbecue sauce-style packets of sauce to give out. So needless to say, Rick and Morty fans were upset, but McDonald's was quick to uh, correct their mistake because apparently they're bringing back Szechuan sauce in quite the large supply this winter. They don't say for how long it's going to be around, but they said that there'll be plenty so that everyone who wants them will be able to get some, and da 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 so... A happy ending, you know, for anyone who loves fast food condiments brought back to life thanks to adult animated series. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, I I don't even remember this sauce. I mean, aside from this whole hubbub. uh, Brad, do you remember having this sauce when Mulan was in theaters?
2: No, I never had the sauce. I do remember the sauce existing because I distinctly remember that they also uh, had a container for the chicken nuggets that looked like uh, a, a like a, a traditional Chinese food container. So I remember that part of it, but I never had the sauce. Um, I'm, I'm interested to try it just to see if it's worth all this hype. Um, so but I'll have to wait for, for winter now to try it.
1: Hmm. Uh, also in the news. Uh, the director of Pacific Rim Uprising is Talk, saying that a expanded Pacific Rim universe may be in the works, Ben, what do we know?
0: Yes, at New York Comic Con, Stephen S. DeKnight uh, spoke in an interview with Nerdist and basically said that he is hoping that the new movie is going to launch a yeah a whole Pacific Rim universe that he even compares to like a Star Wars or Star Trek style franchise. So his quote was. Uh, I think you'll definitely probably get more comics. So let me stop right there. Definitely, probably. That's a weird thing to say. So uh, the plan was always to use this movie as a launching pad. If enough people show up to this, we've already talked about the plot of the third movie and how the end of the third movie would expand the universe to a Star Wars, Star Trek style franchise where you can go in many, many different directions. You can go main canon, you can go spin-offs. you can go one-offs. Yeah, that's the plan. And I would love to see an animated TV show based on this. So this seems like a lot of content for Pacific Rim. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the trailer for Pacific Rim Uprising, which sort of is a little questionable and doesn't really have the same uniqueness that the... Guillermo del Toro directed 2013 movie had. So I'm not quite sure if all of this is sort of, uh, you know, putting the cart before the horse. Um, but yeah, that's the plan right now is for uprising to launch a full uh, Pacific Rim cinematic universe. So I don't know. What do you think about this, Peter?
1: I mean, I, I'm guessing that was always their intention. When they made the first Pacific Ring, they came out with like a comic book that was, I think, written by the same screenwriter, Travis uh Beecham. Um it it seems like the direction they're heading. Like we we said when we talked about the trailer that the the trailer kind of looks more like an adaptation of an eighties, you know anime turned uh american television show than you know anything else like it looks like more more like what i expected the power rangers movie to look like than the power rangers movie so mm-hmm. uh i don't know uh i mean i want to see what this pacific rim is like if it, it's i really liked the touches that del toro put on this world in his world building in that first film this kind of as i as i said the other day. I'm a little worried about, um, if del Toro was involved, I would certainly be very interested. How about yeah, you, Ben? For sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat. I I watched the trailer and was not super impressed with it, even though I like a lot of the people involved with the movie, especially John Boyega. Um, But I'm I'm just like H.T. I cannot believe that they're trying to force Scott Eastwood on us like this. And um, I I will back her to the grave with the idea that Scott Eastwood should not be our next big movie star. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes.
1: Well, he's the next Jai Courtney, obviously uh moving on, we've been talking about this fast and the furious feud for quite a few episodes now uh and that escalated and maybe got shut down over the weekend brad you wrote the story for slash home what what has happened
2: yeah it's it's a a family feud if you will <laughs> <laughs> no but um Br- brad this we, we, we missed you <laughs> i appreciate that. So, yeah, as we all know, this started with Tyrese Gibson, you know, whining about because Fast and Furious 9 was getting delayed in favor of a spinoff focusing on Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham's characters from the franchise. Uh, so Tyrese Gibson was going to have to wait a whole extra year to get that paycheck that keeps him going for however long. And uh, he made a few Instagram posts calling out Dwayne Johnson and saying he was tearing the family apart and, you know, no one goes solo. And he and Chris uh, Bridges, a.k.a. Ludacris, turned down and offer for their own spinoff, which I don't buy for a second. Um, but anyway, that's this was a whole thing, and Tyrese Gibson was just so upset online and they turned into this big deal. And originally some people thought Vin Diesel was maybe throwing his support behind Tyrese because um, at the end of the week last week he posted an image on Instagram of himself with Paul Walker and Tyrese, and all he posted as a caption was brotherhood. But then over the weekend he made another post that also said brotherhood, but then he expanded – upon uh with with a whole full statement basically um recalling what it was like to work with dwayne johnson for the first time after someone uh recommended it on facebook and then he addressed the idea of all the speculation as to why fast 9 was pushed back and he said but it would be unfair to say it is anyone's fault as we plot the course to expand the fast and furious universe one must be mindful to take stock of the roads we took to get here the pillars of authenticity family, and most importantly, our loyal fans' perspective has been instrumental in procuring success. However, like any vehicle that has run around the globe eight times, the franchise is in need of maintenance. My good friend and godfather of Universal, Ron Meyer, has granted me time to do just that. We have some very exciting news to share soon. Stay tuned. So Vin Diesel is basically telling everyone to chill out, especially you, Tyrese. I know you're listening. And (laughs) apparently there's some work being done behind the scenes to either improve the franchise or retool it to allow for, you know, these spinoffs to exist and maybe for the main franchise to, you know, end while still keeping it alive by following characters on their own adventures. I'm not really sure what this whole maintenance thing means, but all we know right now is that Vin Diesel is on board for Fast and Furious 9 and 10. Those are supposed to be the last two movies it, in, as far as the primary franchise is concerned. And I'm sure now Universal is looking for ways to keep that franchise alive because it's such a big cash cow and international success that they need to keep it going somehow. Uh, it remains to be seen if you know spinning off these characters in their own movies will be just as lucrative or exciting for fans. Uh, personally, I think Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham's characters were the best part of The Fate of the Furious, which otherwise I felt was like a disappointing sequel. So I'm down to see what happens with those two guys. And, you know... Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's where we're at now.
1: I don't I don't even understand this feud. It doesn't make sense to me. Like is the feud is, so the feud is that they're making the movie later because of this spin-off movie? Like why are they so angry? Do they not want the movie being made at all?
2: I think that's I think that's part of it. It sounds to me like Ty, Tyrese is probably upset that they're making a movie without the entire ensemble. He thinks that it should only be an ensemble affair. I'm sure that he's annoyed that he has to wait, you know, to have another decent paying job. Uh, so it's it is what it is.
1: Ben, you're a resident uh, Fast and Furious fan. Uh, what do you think of all this?
0: I think it's a good move. I think uh, I, like Brad, I was also a little disappointed with the fate of the Furious. And I think anything that will give Chris Morgan, the writer, producer of the franchise, more time to... um you know, craft a better sequel and, and really, uh, you know, they're coming in for the landing here. They're coming in on fast nine and fast 10, and that's supposed to be the last two major movies. So I, I really want them to stick the landing on this. And I think if they think that they need more time, I mean, the timing of this franchise, that's a big part of the reason that Justin Lin left after directing so many movies is because universal wanted, uh, the sequel to come out like a year after the previous movie did. And he was just like, guys, I, I know this franchise. I don't think it can be done in that amount of time. Like I need a little bit more time to, you know, craft everything. And like, these are big, huge mega movies. Um, you can't just throw a release date on it and hope that everything is going to be okay. So I think, um, you know, the idea of, of pressing pause on this thing and doing the spinoff in the meantime is going to be a good, you know, a good move for the franchise as a whole. So I, I hope that's what ends up happening.
1: Well said. Uh, ben, last week you were at Beyond Fest and you attended a Q and a with Arnold Schwarzenegger who had a bunch of stories, but one of them is making the viral round, uh, rounds with Sylvester Stallone. Tell us about it.
0: Yes. Uh, Schwarzenegger gave one of the best Q&As I've seen in many, many years. He was super entertaining. Uh, He was there for a double feature of Predator and The Running Man, both of which are celebrating their 30th anniversaries this year. Um, So, yeah, you can read my whole write-up on that because there is a bunch of good stuff in there. But the one thing that I wanted to mention was uh, Schwarzenegger basically confirmed one of Hollywood's all-time great troll moves, which was, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this movie from 1992 called Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh, it's yeah, that, it's
1: horrible. Yeah, it's yes. awful. It's super, super
0: terrible. It's Stallone playing like an action movie cop, and his mom is played by Estelle Getty, and she witnesses a murder. And it's basically like this buddy comedy kind of thing with him and his aging mother, and she, you know, takes down bad guys. It's really, really bad. Uh, so I asked Schwarzenegger in this Q and A about these rumors that I'd heard that because the legend has it that Schwarzenegger read this script. And he knew that he was in this huge rivalry with St- uh, Sylvester Stallone in the 80s and 90s of, you know, these guys were just fighting for box office supremacy. They were battling over pretty much everything. They hated each other at this time. And Schwarzenegger read the script for "Stopper." My Mom Will Shoot, thought it was awful, but decided to purposefully leak to the press that he was really interested in making it. So Stallone and his people <laughs> would try to, you know, swoop in and grab it from out from under him, and I asked him if it was true or if it was just, you know, an apocryphal story that's been blown out of proportion, and he said it was true, and he explained this whole thing, and you can read his full response there, but he basically was like, this movie was bad. I've done some bad movies, but this was really, really bad, and he, uh, yeah, he confirmed the whole plan was like this massive orchestrated thing that <laughs> that he sort of cooked up to uh, to basically screw Stallone over in the long run, and those guys are really good friends now, um, but I I just thought that was an amazing uh, you know, Schwarzenegger is one of those guys. Say what you will about him, but he he definitely knows how Hollywood works, and he uh, he
1: <laughs> he basically <laughs> owns Stallone in the <laughs> best possible way, right there. See, now I want to see someone actually get Stallone's comment on that because. <laughs> I, I yeah, wonder I what think, you'd have to say about that. You know, he—I I was looking up um, uh, to see if Stallone had said anything
0: about it. And I think on uh, the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, he—he he sort of confirmed it. He—I don't think he mentioned that it was that movie, but he sort of like he told a version of the story, but it made him look like not as much of a fool as this Schwarzenegger story did obviously but uh, so I think it you know Stallone's not going to deny it but Schwarzenegger just the the way that he told the story was super entertaining and I I quoted him uh, right there he was like you know pumping his fist in the air he was so excited about (laughs) remembering this story and and how bad he owned
1: Stallone at that time Uh, the the movie blogosphere the movie uh, industry has been rocked in the last few months Actually last year With uh, sexual harassment And uh, sexual assault claims um, We've talked about it On the podcasts uh, in the past We've talked about it on the site uh, This past week uh, Some allegations came out Against uh, Weinstein Company Head Harvey Weinstein And Screen Junkies uh, One of the creator of Screen Junkies And Honest Trailers Andy Signor uh, And both have met their demise. Both have been fired. Brad, what do we know?
2: Yeah, so uh, Harvey Weinstein, uh, obviously of the Weinstein Company and Miramax and Dimension Films, had a huge New York Times story reported on him featuring accounts from eight women who had reportedly been sexually harassed by Weinstein, among them including uh, actress Ashley Judd, who actually had previously talked about the incident but just didn't name Harvey Weinstein himself and a lot of the fear you know from these women not coming forward comes from who Harvey is and how he could impact careers and he's this giant in Hollywood and he just did these terribly disgusting despicable things to you know uh, manipulate and harass women for his own you know sick sexual pleasure and now he's been fired from the Weinstein company after the board met um, and decided that they needed to let him go. I don't know why it took them three days to let him go. Cause it seems like it's a pretty cut and dry decision being like, "Oh uh, yeah, you're disgusting. Get out of here, Harvey.
1: Well, the, but- the reason why it took so long is the, you know, one of the board members is Bob Weinstein, Harvey's brother. So now the head of the Weinstein company is his brother and his enabler, Bob Weinstein.
2: Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a, a complete clusterfuck all around. um, I feel like this could end up being the end of the Weinstein company, which wouldn't be such a bad thing. Um, You know, they, they've put forth some, you know, best picture, heavy hitters and that kind of thing, but they've also, you know, ruined several movies as well. And if this is going to be, you know, the kind of people that we're, we're talking about, you know, running this company, then we, we just don't need them, especially with all of the, you know, other sexual harassment allegations coming forth. Like these are exactly the kind of people that we need to start, Weeding out of Hollywood and making sure that they don't have anything to do with the, with the stuff we love, so that they can't hurt any more women and
0: ruin any more lives. It's just, it's ridiculous. For sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And uh, tell us about in- Andy Signor. Uh, there, there's been an investigation that uh, that resulted in him getting fired. I have several different
2: women coming forth and putting forth these narratives. Uh, you know, these are people who worked with Andy too at Screen Junkies and the fact that, you know, this is coming to light now and in more abundant numbers, you know, you, you, there's yeah. nothing to do except believe these people and react sure. to it and, and let somebody And, and the most
1: disturbing part is he has a wife and kids. That's something I didn't know until much later. It's crazy. It's, uh, it's sad, uh, that this is, that, you know, this has been going on. And, uh, it, I, I appreciate that all these women are coming out and speaking up. And uh, that, you know, it is causing change in our, not just our industry, but the film industry as a whole.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think that we need to do whatever we can to support these people, because it's a tough thing to come forward and, and, you know, put yourself on the line. And that's why a lot of people, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing was like an open secret in Hollywood for years and years. And nobody was willing to say anything. But I feel like, the dominoes are really starting to fall right now culturally, where this kind of bullshit is no longer, you know, acceptable stuff, it, it, regardless of who you are. So I, I hope that there are a lot of people out there in Hollywood who have done this kind of stuff to women and and those that who you know they've held power over for a long time. I hope there are a lot of people that are running scared right now that are that are worried about their careers, and I hope that they get taken down too, because this is something that has been an industry-wide problem for almost as long as Hollywood has existed and, and movie making has been a thing. And uh oh, yeah, there, yeah, there's been
1: jokes for decades, a century of the casting couch and that yeah. whole thing. And uh, the, the sad fact of the matter is that's, you know, there is something behind that. And, uh, you know, there's actresses out there that have claimed that they've been raped in those situations, not just sexually assaulted, but raped. And uh it, it's glad that I'm, I'm glad that this is, yeah, the dominoes are falling now, and they're continuing to fall. This isn't the end of it, and I'm sure that we'll hear more about this, and uh, we'll 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 talk about it when it happens here in the podcast.
2: It's seriously the easiest thing to do to not be a piece of garbage and to not do things to women that you are not given consent or permission to do, and like to not force yourself upon them. Or it's just seriously, don't be a piece of garbage. <laughs>
1: That's it. Yeah, yeah, well said. Uh, Okay, so we can find more of all these stories on slashfilm.com. You can find Brad at Ethan underscore Anderton on Twitter and the Go Flix Yourself podcast and on iTunes. You can find Ben at Ben Pears on Twitter. You can find me at slash home on Twitter. You can find this podcast published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Uh, please go rate and review us. Tell your friends, subscribe. Uh, a Star Wars trailer is coming out after we record this, and uh, we might do an emergency episode to talk about it. I'm not sure if that's going to be tonight or tomorrow morning, but look out for that. And uh, thanks for listening.